Whoever drinks beer, he is quick to sleep. Whoever sleeps long does not sin. Whoever does not sin enters heaven. Thus, let us drink beer. Welcome back to the Go to Hell podcast. Strong opinions weekly held about Christianity, the church, and beer. I'm your host, Tim Curley, and I'm joined by my co-host, Colton. How's it going? It's going. This is probably like my last weekend off for a long time, um, just because got two weeks straight of water polo um, tournaments, and then I've got a baby on the way. So I was like, we are... On Monday, we are four weeks out from due date, so it's already here, it's already upon us, and yeah, I'm ready to be exhausted. Ready to be exhausted. But other than that, things are going well, um, work's going great, back in the swing of things, of school, so good. How are you doing? Uh, pretty good, work's going all right, got football season like i've said on previous episodes it's still in planning mode uh college football is a bitch to plan for um for a variety of reasons but uh and then we got hockey starting soon so i'm just once i've got football going then i gotta start planning for hockey season which starts at the end of september last weekend last week is september i believe so do you have to get things ramped up for NBA as well? or We don't cover much NBA. That's gotcha. a long story, but NBA doesn't. NBA has always been very exclusive and hard to get into for photo companies like mine, and we get into a couple teams, so it's not that difficult for me. So, Gotcha. Um, yeah, so, and as what you were talking about, your schedule is about to get much busier not only because of the baby but you got water polo coming up which is well it's already started but you got games and so your schedule is going to be all over the place so just before we get rolling on this episode a little bit of housekeeping peek behind the hood kind of thing we're going we're recording on a saturday and we're gonna belt out as much content as we can because again we're not really doing topical stuff or yeah uh timely Topics we're doing more like general topics, so it doesn't matter if we record this and you hear it four weeks later or parts of it four weeks later. So we're gonna belt out a bunch of content today, which might mean next couple episodes you're not gonna hear beer of the week for every single one or stuff like that. But we'll try to chop it up and make it the usual experience where you get some beer in there and some music content and then some tasty morsels about Christianity in the church. So. In our last episode, we might be completely trashed, so <laughs> well, tight. Can't, can't be any worse than our uh, inaugural beer marathon, so. Yes. Uh, I do have, I, you know what, we should try this today. I did buy some non-alcoholic IPA, and it's in the fridge. We should try it just, just for kicks and see how you like it. Have you tried it already? I have. Okay. I've got to say, if, if you, if, if. You or you listening to this and you tend to like IPA, but you also are, are fine with Coors and Coors Light. I don't see why you have any problem with this beer. So, Okay, we'll see. I'll, <laughs> I'll be the judge of that. If you don't like it, I swear it's just like a, a 
not psychosis, uh, whatever that is. Uh, your brain knows one thing. It's just a placebo thing. effect. Yeah, yeah, like your brain knows one thing. It's like, nope, don't like it. Yeah, there's no alcohol. Just because it says non in front of an alcoholic. <laughs> so, what am I drinking today? Yeah, uh, Tim's drinking one. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I asked uh, Tim, hey, you want to... Uh, you, uh, I, we talked about it on the show a couple times. If you're a part of Stone's um, uh, email list, they send out these oh, small batches damn. that they do. Um, and they did one, and it's called Two Kiwis. It's a double IPA. It's made with two different types of New Zealand hops. Um, and one is like a blended hops, and I think New Zealand is already a blended hop. So uh, I will not be partaking because I already tried one two weeks ago when I got it and no, I was not a fan. <laughs> uh, it's well, Tim, how is it? I don't, I don't dislike it as much as you do. Well, that's cause he hasn't drank it as much as I have yet. Let him keep drinking it. It has a strange zing on the back. It's like spicy. It's like light ginger or something, and it's odd. Yeah, there's like a there's like a spice note to it. Yeah, it's it's. Odd. I was chuckling a minute ago while you were talking because I don't think it's the same, but the color and the taste remind me of what I vaguely remember us drinking at 11 o'clock at Bolt in San Diego. Oh, I don't remember it being this bad. That uh, is... Particularly the front end, not... The, oh. Whatever we had did not have the zing. What we had, if I'm remember, This is reminding me of what we had at Bolt that I did, wasn't a big fan of, particularly the front, but theirs had a sweet back end, which is usually what you have on a beer like this, like the color... And the front, whatever that front end flavor that is part of this profile, I can't describe it. It's usually then you get a sweet, particularly with the double because you're tasting the alcohol, the sweetness from the alcohol. You don't normally get this strange, really long spice note that just hangs there for it loiters. Put it that yes, it it it's getting a ticket for loitering. Yeah, it's uh. Mm. It's almost like a warm beer. I like, just smelled pepper. Yeah, you smell it. There's a peppery smell. Yeah, it's spicy. Like, that's a spicy beer. And it's not, not like... black pepper. It's another kind of pepper. And not like... Not like... Uh, like a michelada. <sighs> that is odd. Or that horrible... There's a local brewery up in Fresno, and they make... Apparently people buy it because it's... Everywhere around, when I go into gas stations, they sell them in bombers, and it is a, what is it, a lager with, with jalapeno juice added to it? It's a pepper, it's a pepper tomato mix. Uh, no, 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 no. Oh, oh, no, you're not no, talking about No, the Sancho or, or, or whatever Tioga makes, there's no to tomato oh, in that beer. yeah, yeah, It's yeah. just like a lager or a... I think it's a lager and they just load it up with literally jalapeno juice it's the most disgusting thing ever i i bought it once i thought i was getting beer with a hint of pepper which i have had one or two before it's not my favorite but you know 
if it's done well, I'm like, okay, I appreciate the brewmaster Bill and pull this thing up. That's this is the uh, jalapeno equivalent to that terrible lime beer that uh, Mexican yeah, beer that Dust, Dust Bowl makes. But this thing is odd. Yeah, because also like I like habanero sculpin, um, the sculpin uh, spice one. So I don't, I'm not opposed to a pepper in my beer, but there's something about that and like the way the hop, there's like a weird funky taste in there too so it's not just the pepper itself but there's a funk well the taste smell's to it. got funk too it's, it's yeah a peppery funk yeah i, I know re- i can't come up with we need abigail <laughs> rogers here because she'll be like oh that's this and this and this it's a niece with uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> actually it is kind of like a licorice smell which is probably why i don't like it because i hate black licorice despise it I don't know. They say peach, I think, on there, and oh, I did not get F any no. peach. <laughs> Unless peaches taste different in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, they taste it's like not shit. Like in no, New no Georgia or California peach I've ever tasted. So, Stone, not a big fan of this one. We're not a big fan. I'm sure they're going to sell out this stuff, and a lot of people are going to suck it down at the brewery, but... Oof. I will be avoiding it like the plague. Oh, nine and a half. This is like work. <laughs> the things I do for you listeners. Uh, <laughs> it's not good. Well, speak of the devil. Super Andy, sometimes co-host. Super listener, sometimes... Uh, Co-host Andy yeah, just texted. That's the best damn drink. Getting peppered with texts. Uh, Colton, what are you? What are we listening to? Uh, currently, what I'm listening to is I. Uh, Tim helped me out. Uh, got me some prints for my classroom, so uh, I've got the I'm <laughs> I've got some nice skateboarding and snowboarding prints up in my classroom. They're nice and large, um, and so my room kind of looks like a Tilly's um or a skate shop and so it's awesome and so to fit the vibe i've been listening to a lot of uh weezer um to just really kind of go with it um and so that's been great listening to the blue album a lot um because it's awesome um but yeah big fan of weezer so it's been good uh what have you been listening to so two things i've been listening to quite a bit one and I think this will be a good, what I'm going to talk about is going to lead in maybe a good discussion. So Netflix has a very good documentary on Wham. And when I was a kid and then my entire adult and then my adult life, I've, I've enjoyed Wham. It's uh, My wife and I are, are still into 80s music. It's one of the things we listen to when we're around the pool or working around the house. We'll uh, we don't always listen to it, but we have a nice curated list of uh, 80s music and Wham! songs are in there. George Michael, you know, and Wham! Um, and so, you know, I'm not my biggest fan. I've always appreciated George Michael for his voice. He definitely has a had a phenomenal voice. I never really knew much of the band. I just, you know, George Michael and the other really good looking guy. Like, what does he do? And so... Uh, I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast, and he had a writer on there. I can't remember his name. 
And this guy was talking about how good the Wham! documentary was. So I thought, all right, we'll watch that. Danica probably appreciate it. So we watched it. It's phenomenal. It's outstanding. Goes in all the detail. Uh, Andrew, I think his last name was Ridgefield. Whatever his last name was. Andrew was the uh, like a year or two older than George. They were friends since like middle school. Both of them decided they want to do a band. They slog it out, become famous, and it's just a it's this interesting tale that you don't really heard told these days. I mean, they these guys were like brothers, and Andrew loved George so much that once he realized George had way more talent than he did, and he was kind of holding him back, just said, "Yeah, go." I'm kind of done with the whole fame and touring thing anyway, because. You don't really pick it up in the documentary, but doing some more reading, he's a bit of a introvert, even though he's one of these extroverted introverts. So when he's out and about, he seems like a uber extrovert, but he's really an introvert. And so he kind of got tired of the spotlight. He was like, I'm ready to walk away. Let George go out on his own. George then goes out on his own, has his career. Um, and I, I, while I'm watching it, I was noting like, I bet a lot of people if I go on the internet are going to say like Andrew's just, even in this day and age, Andrew just can't admit that he loved, like loved, loved, uh, amorously loved George. And sure enough, looked it up a whole bunch. It's all over the internet for articles, stuff on in Reddit and stuff about how, uh, he just secretly loved George Michael. And it's just, I look at that and it's a sad commentary on society this isn't my big point, but it's just a side note of that we've sexualized everything where men in particular are not allowed to have what used to be very common, strong relationships, brother-like relationships. And they would talk like in loving ways. And we today just assume, well, that just means you're gay. And there's this conclusion that gets jumped to. And I think in some ways it's a detrimental to society and it's led to kind of this strange like thing that situation we have that you and i've talked about in previous podcasts where men are just emotionally stilted uh, and this isn't the only reason why there's other reasons why but just because oh can't do that because someone might think we're gay or he might think we're gay i'm gay even though i've known him forever and made you know no sexual advances but I think it's kind of a sad state and yet we want men to be sensitive and then when they're sensitive but they're doing it from a truly heterosexual way it's like oh you're just a closet homosexual so that was one aspect of it um i did not appreciate him and his i mean it's an interesting documentary in that it came out this year but someone clearly had the foresight to do a documentary or write a book because george it's not Andrew telling the story. It is audio from both. There's no video. It's all, uh, well, there's no video of them being interviewed. There's lots of video and pictures, but it's all stock footage uh, that the family and what they pulled together from MTV and whatnot. So, but it is, it is equal parts George and Andrew giving a narration they are doing all the narrating. So someone had had the foresight. I, my theory is someone was going to do a book and they sat down and did an oral history together and just recorded rather than write down all their memories either after they'd broken up or something. 
But the, the fact that, I mean, George died, what, 10, 12 years ago at least? Died a while ago. That this is was all recorded was great because, it's again, it's not... Andrew doesn't get... There's no like self-promotion by Andrew. It's all like one way towards George and, and George is you know, propping up Andrew. So it's all a very good balance of making it clear like these guys were a duo. Uh, George wouldn't have gotten famous without Andrew. Andrew certainly wouldn't have gotten famous without George and was a, and you know, I, and I appreciate the music that they did, that they, they do, they have this uh, couple minutes where they're talking about how they start getting popular and they're just getting shredded by the music elite, uh, uh, writing class, like everyone in Rolling Stone, like everyone's just calling it bubblegum, crap, terrible, banal, you know, every word you can say it's just this cheap pop crap. And they lean into it and they say, yes, it is, because people are tired of the angry punk rock and the other, that's the angst stuff that came out of the late 70s and early 80s. And they want some, they just want to have fun. And I thought that was an interesting moment because it's true. Eight, they came along when pop music got very silly and very cheesy and just we're going to have fun. There's no social commentary. And then we see at the end of very tail end of the 80s, it just starts. But then, of course, in the 90s, it takes off. We've got grunge and hip hop goes. Hip hop's also the same. Hip hop in the 80s was fun. It was it was we're having fun. There's nothing dark about it. There's no there's no gangster stuff. It's, it's just all, you know, girls and drinking and all that kind of stuff. And then NWA and those bands come along and it gets really dark and it gets really violent and all that. But the point is, that's what my point is not that it's good or bad. My point is that is what music does. Music has about a six to eight year trajectory where it is one, it gets light and then that runs its course and people are ready for social commentary and for, for it to speak into the culture, give an outlet to where they're not seeing an outlet where there's a problem either in their lives or their generation. Then it gets dark again for another six or eight years and then it runs it co its course, it burns out and people are like, I'm done with this. I need something light. I don't want to think about heavy things when I'm listening to music. And when you're my age and even Colton, your age, after a while you get this nice archive of music that you can turn to when you're looking for something dark or a social commentary or appreciate the music for a social commentary and on a day where you're like i just want to have some fun music playing you can put it in there but anyway it was interesting interesting to see them usher in or being part of ushering this uh really silly fun pop music so uh so though you have any thoughts so far because then I'm going to take this another direction. So any, I just, any thoughts on the music? Because then I'm going to make a, a broader point that I think we can talk about from a, from our podcast standpoint. I think that it's interesting that you brought up the relationship between the two guys. Because um, I think that, yeah, there's, uh, yeah, there is a desire to speculate uh, and sexualize things that have n no need to be sexualized. Um this happens a lot in movies. It happens a lot in, uh, in books or whatever. People want to know, um, like, what was it? Um, there's just things where it's like, 
people are trying to latch on to a character. Um, so there's, oh, yeah, there's like a, a whole cottage industry of trying to go back and, and see whether or not someone was really secretly gay. Right. Or, so like, or for not, example, or just flat out say they were actually gay, but the author at the time couldn't say they were gay because it was taboo. Right. So like, for example, a more modern sense, um, Gast- what's the name of Gaston's little buddy um, in Beauty and the Beast? Uh, oh, uh, so in the, yeah, I can't remember in the, in the original movie, nobody would sit there and like speculate that he's gay. Right. I, I, I don't know where you could have possibly, he sings a song about Gaston and like pumps him up like you would for a buddy or whatever. I'm not picking up the whole like gay vibe from him in that movie. He just seems like a henchman, like, you know, right. like that's the whole thing. But then when they did the re, uh, the live action, it was he's now a homosexual and like that's our interpretation of it and it's like well the hard part is like this is where some people argue about is there an agenda being pushed like you know where it's like this was something that the only relationship that matters in beauty and the beast well there's friendships that are being developed and then there's one intimate relationship that's being established right that's but now you're taking in other sexual relationships and putting it on people where it's like i I didn't give a damn whether they were straight or gay to begin with so then why are you putting this in to like again we didn't care about anybody else's relationship status right i'm not sitting there like oh they're married oh they're they should hook up or whatever like that's not we're focused on this other thing and and it's just this whole thing where you want to read it in to that kind of stuff and and in my old testament class um in college I tried to do a um we had to we had to pick um something from the scripture that we wanted to research and develop and so I decided to research the relationship between David and Jonathan I I'm glad you brought that up. I did. I did I did a whole report on it. Like I, it's a perfect example of a classic, a classicist, classic male to male relationship, brotherhood relationship. Right, but then the entire internet, while I was doing my research, just wanted to know if they were gay or not. Right, (laughs) and it was like. It was so frustrating because it was like you know I'm just trying to do research on on this being. And actually what it was, was I was, I was researching it to understand what is God's view or what is the Bible's view on relationships, on friendships. Um, Because this was a very good, wholesome friendship that the two of them had. And I believe, and what I put in my report is that I believe that it was in there with the intended purpose of there being of this being kind of like a model friendship where Jonathan consistently does whatever is best for his friend. Yeah. And David continually does whatever is best for his friend. Um, And that's good relationship, in my opinion. Um, I don't know. So it's, it's frustrating. And yes, there could be things that are left out if you want to speculate that way or whatever, but there's no, there's no evidence of it. So you, you would just be reading into something, um, which we have said over and over again, you should not do with the Bible. And so it's like, if it doesn't say it, I wouldn't read into that one. Um, 
So if you're if you're looking for that to be your latch on to homosexuality is okay in the Bible, that's not a good spot to go for because again, it doesn't say anything about it. In my opinion, I think it's a really good uh, example of what a good brotherly friendship is because in my opinion, I think that they treated each other like brothers um, and they loved one another like they were brothers. Um, and, and yeah, and, and that's how we should be with our friendships. Yeah. You know, um, that's, that's what I find frustrating about the whole, let's find out what their sexuality is. Yeah. And and, uh, frankly, if I'm sorry, if you're listening to this and you're one of these people and the leading in with what my sexuality is, look, if I cobble together a list of 20 things that I wanted to ask somebody new that I've met. Nowhere on there is how they identify or who they sleep with. One of the interesting things that I give a damn about in meeting you, and I think from my perspective, and I think it's a healthy perspective, and if you disagree, probably you need to do some soul searching. I don't think it's what makes you interesting. The fact that you if you sleep with a woman doesn't make you boring compared to want somebody who sleeps with someone with the same uh you're a dude who sleeps with a woman. I don't think it makes you boring because you sleep with women instead of men. It has nothing. It is not on the list of things that makes you interesting. Now, right. you might say, well, I'm a homosexual. I'm 55 and I'm homosexual. And I have all of this stuff that went that I had to go through in my teens and my 20s because I couldn't come out of the closet. Granted. Oh, great. Okay. At some point when I get to know you, we will have that conversation too, and that will inform me where your worldview is, maybe where some scars is, and so I understand where you're coming from and maybe why you react to things. But again, that's not on the list of things that are important. Not Neither is, frankly, what you do for your job, if we're being honest, just teasing out that little. The things we lead, lead with today are what I do for work and what I identify with or who I sleep with sex, sexually. Who the, gives a damn? You're more. I'm sure even if you're a boring person, there is much more about you that is important that is important and interesting than that. And if you are boring, it's probably because you're fo- focused on boring shit instead of telling me about the interesting things that you are and the different things that you are. Someone I've never met who does you know this or that it's just it's just so boring well and i think it comes from well and actually i think when people are doing this you're almost proving some of freud's theories correct that you can't stop thinking about sex and so when you read a story you think that there is some sexual intimacy between every single person that has a relationship and people do that on a regular basis we do this in our culture all the time it's why you can't have guys hanging out with girls and girls hanging out with guys without people being like, Ooh, what's going on there? And it's like nothing. There's no, there's relationships that should be able to exist. And you're not sitting there thinking about those people fucking each other. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like that's, it's so odd that our brains are warped that way that we sit there and we just are like, like, it's the same thing as, like, uh, I don't know. It's just bizarre. It's bizarre. And and so, yeah, with this situation with Wham, it's like, sure, that could have happened. Yeah, let's just say Andrew, even at, wow, he's probably 60. So he was 13. He's probably, he's probably 10 years. Let's just say he's 10 years old. He's, he's probably in his mid-60s. 
let's just assume for argument's sake that he's still a closeted gay man or he just or he maybe he's not even gay but he like had a thing for george that is not that if that is all you're fixated on you wasted an hour and a half of your life watching a documentary where you could have learned much more interesting things which one and this is again not the topic i want to get to but this is to this podcast the theme general theme of this podcast it is a phenomenal story of two people being selfless with one another for a good 10 years of their life, both personally and commercially. It's And that is the thing you should be fixated on. And, you know, a lot of bands get torn up because two people decide they're the ones who are important to the band and neither one can realize, well... Frankly, this wouldn't have worked without the both of you. In some situations, it's, yeah, they're not equally yoked. And the one guy who realizes it then turns into a dick because he's like, you're just bringing me down. That did not happen in this situation. Let alone music, but in, in just in business partnerships. Look, I, I, own a, I co-own a business with a buddy of mine that I've known. He and I worked at the same company before we left that company and started our business. Jamie and I have known each other since 1993. We have run our business together as co-equals. There is no CEO and I'm the junior. I'm not the senior and Jamie's the junior. It is two people running the business. I will admit that is way outside the lines of how things works because usually, again, someone gets to have a big head and turns into an asshole and says, well, I'm the one who's responsible for the success here, and you're not. And all it's really is an excuse to be is like, I don't really want to have a conversation or uh, make any kind of sacrifices or come to a, you know, we're going to mutually agree to uh, negotiate here on what we're going to do. We've I've, we've never had that. I've, we've, we've gotten in arguments. Well, it's usually me yelling at Jamie, I'll be admit. Uh, but I'm, I'm the more bombastic type, but we'll have disagreements, but we've never walked away with like, well, okay, we're going to do this, but I'm, I'm telling you, this is a terrible decision. And one day I will be proven right. That's not how we've operated. And if the world operated more like that, we'd have a lot less trouble, uh, conflict in the world, not only in business, but in relationships. And just to see that being on display to the, and then it reaches a genesis. Uh, 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 it, again, it, the band kind of reaches a point where Andrew's like, you know what? I'm just holding you back. I'm, I am wasting your time not contributing here. You need to go out on your own and focus. Your, put Pour everything you have into what you want to do and let me go off. And I'm p- completely fine with it. I mean, that's just remarkable. If the Beatles had realized that, we would have had more, 20 years more of the Beatles, baby. How's... uh? How's your beer treating you? You're nearly done. Did it get better? No. <laughs> it didn't get worse, but... Oh, I felt like it got worse the more I drank it. But... Yeah, there's definitely some kind of like... It's like it's a skunky pepper. I'm proud of you for finishing that. I ha- I threw away half of my glass. I drank half of it, and I was like, no. Nope. Well, I don't know why I should be, because it's 9.5%, so I'm all, all I'm doing is making the rest of this podcast a little less intelligible. All right, what are we drinking? What are we now drinking? 
Yes, okay, Colton's gonna finally crack open a beer. Um, today we're drinking, um, we have a local soccer brew pub in Visalia. Um, really cool venue. Um, it opened up one year ago in August, and um, they have a couple of indoor soccer uh, arenas, um, and it's a really cool spot. Um, they play soccer games on the televisions, they play football games, um, and it's a really cool place for the community to, to go and play uh, soccer. It's really big in our area um, because we have such a huge... Um, uh, uh, Mexican American population in the Central Valley. Soccer is huge in our area. People love to play it all the time, and it's a really good venue for them to get uh, onto teams and play with one another. Um, and they've been growing and developing as the years have gone by, or as the year has gone by. And they just started canning their beers that they make there. And we are going to start off, we've got two from them today, but we're going to start off with their Hazy IPA. This is a couple of people's favorites. They say uh, this is one of their best beers. Um, we've gotten to know the owner uh, pretty well. He's a great guy. Um, and he's really about promoting not only his brew pub, but also uh, just doing things for the valley um, in our area. So the brew co is called 1852. Um, and it's actually named after the date that the county of Tulare was formed. Um, so it's an awesome, awesome place. Highly recommend checking it out. And we're going to try their beers. 7.1% hazy IPA. Yeah, Jeremy's a great dude. Just from a business perspective, you can tell I, I don't see him not succeeding. He does. He checks all the boxes. If you've read books on how to build a business, how to build an organization, he's clearly read them all because he's all about culture and sticking to culture anytime they have big events at the at the at his place like they've done events for uh they did a bunch of world cup viewings that had a hundred couple hundred people show up for games for matches uh they've done other events and when he stands up and speaks he always begins whatever he's going to talk about or talk about what's going on for the day he talks about what the mission and vision of 1852 is why it exists um so and he's also part of our church community that we go to uh yeah. in fact when the place got opened our pastor forrest gave the invocation the blessing when they did the ribbon cutting so to speak i don't know if they literally did a ribbon basically a ribbon cutting he gave the prayer and so uh it's part of our general community of trying to be Christians that are uh, impactful in the community they're in, which this place is near our church. Well, it's near the area where our church uh, has kind of adopted and fostered, which is arguably the poorest part of Visalia. It's probably the, the poorest part of Visalia. So it's Visalia City. So um, great what they're doing. And his beer is really good. His beer is really good. Um, it, and it's really tasty. Tastes great out of the can, honestly. So, enjoying it. If you've been listening to this show, other than, I think the beer that I just had might be the only beer we've ever not liked. There might have been one or two others. So if you listen to this, you're not a real big beer person, you might get the impression that it's not all that hard to make really good beer. It is. We Look, we, pick, we generally pick breweries that we know we're going to like. Yeah. 
Stone's a massive head shaker, but it is not easy to make really good beer. It is not, particularly if you're making craft beer, the kind of craft beer we like, like IPAs. There's been some terrible ones over the years, and it's not as easy as it seems. So for Jeremy to start a couple years ago and... Um, put out five beers. Put Yeah. Five, six, seven beers. Quality beers. It's It's a good... Yeah, and they're and they're continually experimenting. So like last year for Oktoberfest, they came out with three German beers, um, which they still have on tap. Um, so they came out with the Kolsch. They came out with the, did they cut? Yeah, they came out with the Hefenweizen, mm-hmm. and then the, what's the other one? Like the Berlin Weiss. Uh, so those were good. Um, I'm not big in the. It's the Weiss, right? That's the sour one. Uh, can be, yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, I, I the Kolsch I remember liking a lot. Um, but, and then they did a couple for, they did an orange fest. And so they did a couple of session IPAs that they made for that. They just recently came out with a double a couple months ago. I still haven't even tried their double. Um, cause usually when I'm there, I'm there to watch a soccer game. Um, and drinking doubles is not a good yeah. idea. <laughs> like already their, their West coast IPA. I don't know what it is about that thing. It's probably going to say that it's like a seven, four percent. That thing hits me like a truck. I I feel like it's lying every time on that can. Well, this hazy is seven point one. That's a little high for a hazy. Really. A little high for a hazy, but it's I'm saying about six and a half. I'm saying I could drink five Lagunitas little somethings, which are seven four, and then I'll be like toasty. Mm-hmm. Um, I can only drink three of those Unite and Strengthens, and all of a sudden I like the room is spinning yeah i'm convinced on beer there's a certain way that they're brewed that it hits the bloodstream harder than other beer yeah so we'll be trying the unite and strengthen uh here in a little bit which is their uh west coast ipa but we're having the away days and everything that they have is um all of their beers are references to soccer in some way so uh these are the away days the unite and strengthen is a reference to uh the american outlaws and their slogan um, which is Unite and Strengthen. Uh, and it's fitting that he chose a West Coast IPA for that because most of the people that are into soccer around here, or at least the national team, they want to drink an IPA. Oh, really? So, uh, yeah, they're hipsters. Like, it's the whole thing. Okay. So, uh, But it will, actually, one of my favorite beers that they have is their Mexican lager is really good. The Classico um, is pretty good. And then uh, Tim doesn't like blondes, so I don't think he's ever tried the breakaway. So. I do not like blonde ales. They're, they're, the Mexican lager is very good, and I don't like micheladas, but my wife does, and they make one hell of a michelada there, too. Have you had the brown there or no? Uh, yes. I had that during World Cup. Yeah, the breakfast beer. Yeah, well, yeah. Because what you were talking about before, I knew I was going to be there like three, four hours, so I was like, ah, I'm not going to just drink IPAs the whole time. It's a little too early in the morning for that, so yeah, we mainly drink. I mixed it, mixed it up. Yeah, I just did the Classico during World Cup, unless the United States was playing. If the United States was playing, me and our buddy Eric have a rule that it's game day, so you have to drink United Strengthen because <laughs> it's named after the. And I gotta give, I gotta give Jeremy shit for it, and just be like. Jeremy, you couldn't name a lighter beer like Unite and Strengthen, <laughs> but you gave the, you gave that heavy hitter United Strengthen. So I'm sitting there like, 
and you got to have a beer a half. Like that's a, it's about 45 minutes a half. Yeah. So it's like, now don't get me wrong. The world cup, they gave out like 11 minutes for stoppage time, like every single time. Yeah. So you got about 50 minutes to drink your beer, but then you got to go get another one for second half. So it's just like, bro, what are you doing to me? <laughs> Yeah, so, but uh, really tasty, really awesome spot. We've got a huge, huge television in there um, that's amazing. They call it El Galactico. Um, it's just a massive television. That yeah, and it was set up by on. my friend Nate, also uh, part of the yeah. neighborhood orb. Uh, Nate has a company that does audiovisual all around the country for churches and school districts and businesses and i even think concerts i think they've done like concerts down in texas so they do a hell of a job so anyway plugs if you're not around here we're yes we're plugging people around local to us but they're friends that are near and dear dear uh, dear to us and good overall christian people yeah phenomenal if you go there in the fall i was like it's a little tough in the summer because it's still hot it's still a warehouse um so keep that in mind but if you go there in the fall, they roll the doors up on that place, and it's a really nice spot to hang out and just chill, um, listen to people playing soccer, and and their brew pub is a nice quiet spot as well, just to just hang out with friends and just enjoy. take a laptop sometime up there and just interview Jeremy just for ten we minutes should. and just let him go on about mission and vision and community and what it means and be a great uh, inspiration to people who are listening to this who are trying to find wanting to know people out there that are using business in a in a really good way to just meet a need they they meet a basic need which is providing soccer fields which in Visalia are kind of hard to find um but all and also just a good area uh for people to meet and then beer and food on the side when they got food trucks so that's right and their food trucks are often really good yeah we had some really good breakfast pizza. <laughs> yeah, they had a, they had an oven stone uh, oven pizza place, and you're there at like seven in the morning. Like, okay, what are they gonna do for me? And they had these breakfast pizzas that were just outstanding. Yeah, they just put like you know. But frankly, the crust these guys make, you could put whatever on it, and it would be perfectly fine. Yeah, that fine. crust was really good, <laughs> and the but they put a fried egg in the middle. Although, did you get ones that were had the scrambled eggs instead of the fried egg? Or no? I don't remember what kind of egg mine had. I just I think I was picking mine mostly on the meat because I was like gauging yeah. like uh, greasy protein. You were like, I need protein. Well, it was, no, it was more like okay, that's a little that sounds a little too greasy for this this time of the day. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because some of them had chorizo. Some I tried to get veggies. I was like veggies and one protein is what I need on my pizza, and that's usually how I order pizzas. But I don't think mine had egg. I think mine had meat and potato. Oh yeah, the potato was really good. Yeah. Um, which apparently that's like a popular thing. If you go to most uh, like artisan pizza places now, they'll have a potato pizza, um, and it's just like olive oil, potatoes, and then Parmesan cheese. Um, my parents love it. Uh, we went to a couple of places in Seattle and they, both times they were like, let's get the potato pizza here. And speaking of pizza and weird <laughs> things on it or quote unquote weird things you're not used to. Uh, we have a restaurant in town. Uh, Colton's been before, but then my wife and I had not ever made it to this restaurant, even though we knew the owners before it was a restaurant when they were kicking around the idea and they were just basically doing private parties and had a food truck. Um, they have, we didn't try it cause staying away from pizza, but they had a shrimp pizza that looked oh, amazing. Shrimp pizza. And is I had good. never even, 
I'm sure I've been in places and I just wasn't looking at the pizza menu and it was on there. But that was the first time he had prawns and something else on there. I was like that if I was going to order pizza tonight, that is what I would get. Yeah, I mean, like, it's like a scampi kind of pizza dish. Um, Shrimp pizza, if you find it places, I'd order it. It's really, it's really good. But, um, yeah, that makes me excited to go back and and try it because I, that was Yeah, they had three pizzas and none of them, there was no, like, here's a pepperoni pizza for the kids. Like, even the meat pizza was a charcuterie board. So it was, they had no pepperoni. It was like salami and some other high end meats on, on the pizza with, uh, heirloom tomatoes and stuff. So, oh, heirloom tomatoes. Okay. Yeah. So back to Wham. I think this will lead to general. <laughs> we're, we're still on Wham. That's hilarious. All right, keep going. Well, because I think, as I said, we're, we're going to do a couple episodes. I think once we're done with this discussion, that'll be episode one. But So I'm watching this documentary. When, when George Michael was alive... I was either indifferent or I probably I was somewhere between indifferent to no and I think indifference a cop out. If you asked me about George Michael, I'd probably say, you know, when he was at his peak in the 90s, I'd say uh really good voice, but he's a mess and he needs to get over whatever shit he thinks he's got going on and, you know, either be gay and get off the drugs or whatever, but I'm tired of it. I, I, you know, I didn't have much, I, I didn't have much empathy for him. I, you know, I, I wasn't like hostile to him, but I would have been like, yeah, whatever. It's tiresome already. You're, you know, you're rich, you're good looking, you have pipes that people dream of. What the fuck problems do you have? And yet, you know, you're constantly getting caught having sex in bathrooms and drugged out. And frankly, that's the way the kind of person I was in the 90s because I grew up in that milieu that we talk about on this podcast all the time, the judgmental Christian of, yeah, just get over it already. And, you know, being upset with somebody, judging someone by what they're doing instead of other things. So we're watching this documentary and they are constantly bringing up both Andrew and George is admitting that the man has zero self-confidence. He doesn't think he's talented. He doesn't think he's got a good voice. He doesn't even think he's good looking. And it is constantly, that is the drive that makes him successful because he's constantly trying to prove, one, he's got, he's, uh, he's Greek. He's the kid of Greek immigrants. I don't remember if he was actually born in Greece and had migrated or was born in the UK, but his parents were straight up like accent, still have an accent Greek. When he's introduced at school, his his name is not George Michael. George Michael's what the record label said, like, you can't keep going by this. His real name was, you know, Horror Georges Papadopoulos or something like that. It was his some... parents owned Dancing Zorbas. <laughs> uh... And so, but his dad was an absolute hard ass. Nothing George did as a, as a kid, any, any, nothing was good enough for his dad. His dad was always riding his ass. Typical immigrant story, uh, particularly European immigrant story. Uh, it's what drove the United States for two, two centuries is just the parents that are like, 
I don't give a damn if you're tired. You're going to go out there and you're going to live a better life than what I have. And if not, I'm going to kill you. And when George wanted to go out and be a musician, his dad didn't disown him, but it was like, you're going to fail. You're a failure. You're not good at that. I don't know what the hell you think you're doing. This is a terrible idea. And so eventually in the in the documentary, his dad, when they finally make it big and they're touring in the United States and selling out huge arenas and stadiums, his dad gets invited to a concert and his dad says, thanks, Jojo, thanks, stop. If you hear growling, it's because the dogs are hearing. Uh, his dad finally says, yeah, you're amazing. I never knew you had this kind of talent. But, you know, you live two decades it's kind of already i don't know if you have that kind of moment where dad okay dad finally loves me and dad finally loves me everything's fine and i don't think that was the only thing and I, I there might have been a level i they didn't talk about it in the in the documentary but i i imagine there's probably a level of depression or something that was also just like chemical it wasn't just dad. Daddy didn't love him. So I say all that because I had no idea George Michael was going through all of this. And admittedly, in the 80s, you didn't really talk about that kind of stuff. I mean, folks didn't put their dirty laundry out there. And even today, with as outgoing as people are, you know, work musicians are quite open about who they're sleeping with and the parties they're going to and all that stuff. But I don't know how many people are really that open to sit down with a, a writer and, and admit that they've got all kinds of self-doubt or they don't think, you know, Ariana Grande coming on saying, no, I think I look hideous. People would be like, well, but that's kind of the point. Like people, why would you come out and say that? Because if she truly, because self-image is a strange thing. Right. The world might see you as the most attractive person in the world. And there there can be something, again, it doesn't have to be because your mom and dad didn't think you were attractive. It's just there's some warped part of your brain where you look in the mirror. I mean, it's, we know this. We, How many attractive people have we seen, particularly in Hollywood and music, where they are gorgeous men, gorgeous women, and then they go off and they mutilate themselves with some kind of plastic surgery and they turn them into something they think is attractive and the rest of the world is like what did you do right your nose was fine your lips were fine your cheekbones were fine but you went out and now you're like this mona lisa version of reality and it or not mona lisa but like you're, you're pablo picasso you're just a picasso version of reality we see this with famous people all the time so it makes sense that George saw that saw himself that way, and I just it really with what what really haunted me and my wife watching that was then with the understanding that eventually George essentially kills himself with drug addiction, and we were it, and our our friend that I mentioned our. Super listener Andy and sometimes co-host Andy and I, he's also watched the documentary and we had this conversation and it haunted him too of just, it just saddens you when you see someone like that, that they cannot ever learn to love themselves, not in a, I think in, 
we're in a weird culture where we're constantly talking about loving ourselves and a lot of it's just excuse for narcissism or it's it's trying to induce people into narcissism there's a healthy level of self-love that even from a christian perspective people need which is i am a failure i do sin every day i'm a failure in god's perfect eyes but jesus has died for me he still loves me and just to see someone like that either from a christian perspective or even a non-christian perspective just you can see him just flame him his life out because he could never live up to whatever expectations he could he put on himself right. and it's sad yeah and i think from a, if you're listening to this and you're a christian and actually i, I will back up just one second one of the last things they quote George saying when they're talking about how the band split, he makes this statement about how it's it is a it's an apocryphal statement of how once Andrew left, he left left the band and he was on his own. He had no one there to keep him grounded. Yeah. And so what made him great, he soared musically after that. Because he didn't have Andrew holding him down. It was just him. I I didn't know this until the documentary. Like, George produced all the music they did. Like, he was in there, like, nitpicking every little thing on tracks, instruments, all that. I didn't know he was that. I just thought, again, I just thought he was a really good singer. I didn't know who wrote the lyrics. I figured they were pulling, like, a lot of pop artists, they're pulling stuff off the shelf that the record label's sitting on. And, like, here, sing this. No, he was writing songs. Andrew was writing songs too, but he was doing all the instrumentation. Anyway, um, he loses his grounding and he just then feeds into his, because he's got no one there to say, hey man, you're great. You're great. I love you. You're great. And he just descends into this self-loathing, I think, they don't talk about this in the podcast, but I, I think, I mean, in the documentary, but I, I think that's, one does not have to imagine very far that that's what sends him on this downward trajectory where he's right. ended up having sex or propositioning men in bathrooms in Beverly Hills and having overdoses all the time. And then he eventually overdoses. And he, what's, what's terribly ironic about him is he, Danica reminded me of this, he dies around Christmas or he dies on Christmas. They have, I think it's two number one songs, one or two number one songs. They want George has got it stuck in his head. He wants three or four, two or three or four, whatever the number is, number one songs in one year. It's this monumental task. No one's ever done it before. It's or it's rarely done. So they sit down. They write this cheesy Christmas song. They would do a cheesy video. They put it out there, and right when they're starting to promote it. Band-Aid comes out and they say, we want to do this Christmas song for, we want to do the Christmas version of We Are the World. Let's do this Christmas song for the people dying in Ethiopia of starvation. So they do, uh, let them know, uh, what's the, we, no, what's the, uh, they do the famous Christmas song that's the version of We Are the World. That gets to number one and the Wham! Christmas song never cracks number one it just stays at two and it pisses the hell it pisses them off very much 
Although, ironically, I think it was in 2020, they note at the end of the documentary that uh, Last Christmas was the number one Christmas song, or the number one song for a month in, I think, 2020. So he did eventually get that song to number one. So so I bring all this up, tan- go, despite going off on tangents. Don't... It is a tough thing to do. We are wired to judge people superficially. It's just what it is. And and I'm going to advise people to not do it, but just understand you're still going to do it. You're still going to do it. I do it all the time myself. But go out of your way. And this, you know, this, you can't do it unless you've got a relationship with someone. You can't just meet someone and say, hey, what demons are you dealing with? <laughs> no, I think you should. <laughs> But go out of your way to find out what makes this person tick and particularly what are their what are their demons that they're dealing with that make them the person that they are that maybe you don't particularly people you don't like. I think this is really relevant for folks you don't like in your life. Like, why is this person an asshole? And, you know, look, some people I I think we live in an age where I think it's now this discussion that we're that I'm bringing up has now become too expansive or it's like anybody who's a jerk you just need to find out why why they're a jerk and you'll understand them look there are people who are just narcissists they're sociopaths they're they're psychopaths they're just wired that way it's not because mommy and daddy didn't like them or they didn't like themselves as they're grown up they're just assholes yeah yep Psychologists will say that's about one to two percent of the population, but you know that's enough for you to meet on on a semi regular basis. Someone come in your life and you're like that person is a sociopath, and they seem really nice, but they are all about themselves, and I'm going to keep my distance from them. But a lot of other people, they got problems, and you, they frustrate the hell out of you, and there's reasons why they've got family. They were abused as a kid by a family member or family adjacent or whatever. Mom, mom fixated on the daughter being not skinny enough or, you know, just stuff that we go through through life and it warps us and makes us, it presents bad sides of ourselves to people. And so don't look at people superficially, not just famous folks, but Per people you're dealing with and if somebody rubs you the wrong way doesn't mean you have to openly engage them on a regular basis where i'm not looking for uh you know I'm, we don't need to be uh uh what's the word anyway you, you can keep some distance but try to learn them try to learn learn more about them try to find out what makes them tick yeah, I think that what's really good is just this idea of yeah, we don't know everything that's going on. I I feel like this has always been a push. Almost like think about those those really cliche and maybe you don't necessarily know it, but I know it as a but no, it's pretty cliche. Like everybody knows that there's kind of this whole stip speculation that, you know, the bully can't help it because the bully's getting 
beat by his mom or his dad. Right, right. He takes it out on a kid at school, right? Um, and I do think that we need to acknowledge that everybody comes from different backgrounds and they have different life experiences than us. Um, and they're and things and we all take things differently um you know uh um this is something that in my family was fairly prominent and my mom if she ever would listen to this would probably take offense but i don't i don't mean it in an offensive way my mother is just like um i would classify her as a realist i don't think she's pessimistic but she's very realistic right and so for people that are optimistic, realism can be very pessimistic mm-hmm. because you're so high all the time on this on this on this cloud of of, you know, I should reach for the stars and do all this kind of stuff. And realists are very much grounded. Um and so my mother would just be like, Okay, well like how is that going to work for you? And so my sisters used to always take it as, Well, you just don't want me to do this. Um and your and mom's looking at it like she doesn't want them to them to self set themselves up for failure right exactly and that's another a whole other level of uh disillusionment later in life because i didn't i thought i could achieve this thing because i was told i can do whatever and i think i can do that and your mom's like Okay, I know you're being told at school you can be whoever you want to be, but that's not really realistic. Right, exactly. And especially once... Or maybe you can do this, but let's know how much work you're going to have to put in, like what you're going to have to sacrifice. Like, personally, you might right. not be able to meet a man till you're in your 30s because you're going to work your ass off doing this job or whatever. Right. That and, kind of stuff. And, like... Again, but yeah, I can see why kids are like, well, you just don't want me to do it. No, I'm just trying to, I don't want you setting yourself up because you're so high on, I can do whatever I want. I can be whoever I want to be that you don't understand. Like there might be failure here. And what I'm trying to tell you is actually the opposite of what you say, what you think I'm telling you is that does not mean you're a failure. Right. And so, like, there's there's two sides. So, if you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself that, when especially when you're talking about uh, uh, this dad um, being, you know, uh, being a dream crusher or whatever, again, think about think about parents and the perspective that they're coming from. When again, they don't want to see you fail. Um, and and again, this is also the th- like. I used to teach freshmen. I'm not teaching freshmen this year, but I used to always teach freshmen. And if I were to ask all of my freshman boys, what is it that they want to do? If they play a sport, they will say that they want to go professional in that sport. Yeah. All of my freshmen. And then none of my freshmen will ever be in the NFL. And they mean it. Like when yeah, I was 100%. a kid, when I was a kid, I wanted to be Roger Staubach, but I was under under no illusion that I was going to be Roger Staubach one day because I was like, yeah, I'm 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 somewhat athletic. I like like I can handle myself on a soccer field. I can handle. I'm like I'm decent at everything, but I'm not exceptional in any way at one sport or one thing. I'm just like I can play sports, but I'm not. So you know. I love being Roger Staubach. I dreamed for a couple of years of being Roger Staubach, but there was no illusion, it, let alone in my as a little kid or even in my junior high or senior high or yeah years that I was going to be like, yeah, I'm going to be a pro athlete. 
But that is prominent with kids these days. I mean, it's arguably it's crushing the black community because every black kid in 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 inner cities just the only way out they see is a pro sports career. It's like right. There's more to you. There is more to you, and that's also a hard part because they see that the only people that are making it out are either right are either rappers, uh, athletes, or um, or gang members, gang, yeah, gang or high members. up gang members. And so they sit there and they say, "Well, I'm not talented." Off the book, we'll call them off the books corporations. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talented athletically or musically, and so. The one that I know that I can get into, right, is this one, and they got my back, and yeah, that's that's a whole other, yeah, but yeah, and so but yeah, you've got all these boys that are just like, I'm gonna be, a, I play baseball at Western High School or Menachee High School, so I'm gonna be a pro baseball player. Yeah, no, no, and and that's tough, and like as parents, like you don't want to crush your dreams as. And that's why there's always the focus, like, whenever a kid says that, they're like, okay, well, what's your backup plan? Yeah, you know, <laughs> like... Um, that's why we still need to go to school and take classes. And so, but also for some kids, that is, you don't believe in me. You don't think that I can do this. Um, and it's like, well, n- 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 no. <laughs> you know, like, right. that's the whole thing. Uh, and it's it's very hard. Um, and And magical things can happen. But yes, there is kind of an idea out there and and again all of us as human beings react differently to that kind of stuff i've always tried to be more realistic um i'm not saying that i'm always a realist um but i try to be and my mother so when my mother would give that advice usually i'm like got it like you know like i'm like yeah you're right you know like that's just not really realistic for me and so i'm not really so I just for for sake of sitting there and saying it's not psychological damage, but I'm saying, but for psychological purposes, if my mother told me that, I'd sit there and be like, yes, that's realistic. And so I myself am not a huge risk taker. Right. Uh, I don't like, I, I still say this about my college experience. I didn't go anywhere. I didn't do anything. It was always about the money, about making sure that I was doing Well, there are financial. no realistic... There are no realistic risk takers, so that's the thing. Right, exactly. You have to be an optimist. You have to think you yes. can fly to the moon when you can't in, in, in order to do it. So. Right, and I am just not that person. No, right. I am, I'm envious of those types of people, but at the same time, they also drive me insane. Cause just Well, and, and I'm similar. I, I'm a realist, and so, yes, I have my own business, but anytime I've been my or my business partner have been offered like the possibility of shooting the moon and taking this to like huge height my business to huge heights we've never we've never really taken it up on because i'm i'm more comfortable doing what i do managing the people i manage being in charge of my culture my mission and vision and i don't want someone big big person coming in offering the moon and maybe just destroying the business that i built Right. The destroying part is too much of a risk over, well, you could make tens of millions of dollars or, I mean, we've never been offered tens of millions, but you know, you could make millions of dollars and retire or do something else. And like, no, I'd rather just keep doing what I'm doing. Right. And so again, all of us are different. And so 
to get back to Tim's point of very much this idea in Wham where it's like, again, don't judge the parents, don't judge the kid. Just meet the person where they are, and yeah, it is sad to sit there and listen to this story of somebody who never ever felt like they were enough, right? And that's one of the things that uh, it was the opposite of his persona. That's what was so shocking right, about exactly. It. And but also, this was the, a guy who was like swagger. I mean, he walked. He literally had a walk that had swagger in it. Literally. He was always, even when he was gay, well, he was like dating or marrying like supermodels for a couple of years, even when he was trying to come out of the closet. I mean, this is a guy who, I think that's kind of what off put me was I took his personal persona, which was the opposite of who he was. And I'm sure he was in some ways trying to sell that because he didn't want to admit he was dealing with the shit he was dealing with. Right. And the point is. Even when they're selling you, let's just say, I'm going to pick on, again, the four foot nine uh, chick of terror, Ariana Grande. She might be selling you everything that she's got it all. She's gorgeous. She's got the pipe. She can sing. The guys love her. Blah, 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 blah. That might not be her on the inside. So don't judge what she's selling you, what the record company is selling you. That might not be her. Because it certainly wasn't George Michael, and as we find all these musicians and athletes and actors, actresses. actors, that's not who they are, because they're being told no one likes a loser. Right. When I think actually it'd be really nice to find out, yeah, you know what? When I go to bed every night, I think I don't, I'm not a very good singer. I write trashy lyrics. I mean, many like trashy, like sexually, but just like it's garbage. It's nothing interesting. No one wants to hear. Yeah, but just so we're and clear, I don't look. I don't think I look very good. If somebody would say that to me, I'd be like, like, and especially as a celebrity, I would also. I. What would my reaction be? I'd be like, I, you know what? As soon as you said that, yeah, like I think the celebrities are in a no-win situation. So let's take them off the off the table. Yeah, I know, but that's uh, no. But but here's I mean, also you're, the thing: but you're is that, correct. It's like if if they get really honest, and you're like, "Well, why am I enticed by that?" Yeah, well, it's not even what about I enticing. I just I just be like, "Oh, pobrecito," you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like, exactly. And for those of you that don't know what that means, it means poor little boy. No, <laughs> you're completely. You're like, yeah. If if George Michael, maybe he did. I don't remember. Maybe if he'd done articles in like Rolling Stone or Spin magazine, was like, "Yeah, I don't feel that all high." And I'm like, "Oh, please." That's the problem with the famous rich person conceit. And that's the other part of this conversation. Okay, you've, you've stumbled on the other part of this conversation is the successful person conceit that we've accepted in the United States in particular. Well, let's just, I think you, whatever thing is going on in the West, the United States is always more extreme about it. Europe is always much more balanced in their culture than we are, mainly because they have a longer culture. In celebrity? No, culture? in oh. everything. I'm saying in everything. Like, Europe is not all in on... They have transgender stuff going on, but they're not as far in on it as we are. Every time we have some huge thing that we go all in on, Europe's like, yeah, we're going to be in it, but we're also like societies that have been around for a couple thousand years, and so 
We're not just going to, like, turn things upside down. They're like, yeah, we like being racist. Right. <laughs> we're, we're okay dipping our toe in racism. We're never going to yeah. dip our toe out of it. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll take a like, knee before a soccer but game, but we'll boo gonna, it at the same time. We're just not going to lynch people. We're just going yeah. to heckle people until they so throw trash at um, them, deface murals, you know. We're very much into screw rich people. They have no problems because they're rich and famous. And I'm sorry, folks, even as a Jesus follower, that means you can't judge rich people that way, famous people that way. We have to filter ourselves and go like, all right, you know, you don't have to be a fan of somebody. I'm not telling you to rush out somebody who's who you don't like and be like, well, that's a Jesus follower. I have to go to watch their movie, even though I don't like him. I'm not saying you have to like him, but just because they're rich and famous, again, we've we've. Just like, what problems do you have just because you have money? <laughs> right. Money creates all kinds of problems. So many. Money money does one of two things. It either creates new problems and or it masks problems that already existed. And I think George Michael is the perfect example of that. It created new problems. He got into drugs when he wasn't into drugs before. Well, I, I think they did drugs when they were in Wham, but, but that proves the point. They get they get a lot of money when they're in wham. They start doing drugs because that's what you do when you're in a band. So now you got a new problem, and then it just masks over the old problem, which is I loathe myself. Yeah. So. You know, I, it's easy. People who are quote unquote normal and balanced, yeah, we don't have a hard time judging them. It's like, yeah, I'm sure you're going through stuff. We have a hard time not judging people who are at the top of the top of the food chain, rich and famous, or people at the bottom of the food chain, the drug addicts and the homeless people and the people down there. We're just like, yeah, well, you chose to live that life, so I just, you know, right. I don't have any sympathy for you. That's this. I'm sorry. That is the you pulled most Christians. Most Christians would be like that way. You chose your life. I don't give a shit. Go live your life. Yeah. You know what? There are some people who chose to live that life and they did not need to. But a lot of people, to Colton's point, what else? What other options do I have? Who do I know that got out of this, my little part of town and made it big? I can name two. They're either rapping or playing basketball for some college basketball team and then now they're coaching somewhere or something. That's not a life. We, we do emulate people as human beings. We don't just think of how we're going to live life out. We also spend our life emulating people. And when you don't have anyone to emulate and all you're emulating is a downward trajectory, you know, so, and if you're listening to say, well, what's the, what's the fix? That is, that's my problem. That is my problem with political, social discussion in this country you raise a problem and immediately we jump to what is the solution. We need to just accept and talk about in the United States problems for a while. Let's just all get on the same page, right, left, Christian, non-Christian, or religious, non-religious. Let's all just accept we have issues in the world, both personally and a micro level and a macro level, and accept what those problems are. Before we start rushing into how we're going to disagree on how to fix them. I don't even necessarily think that, and especially when it comes to if you ever go to counseling or therapy or anything, 
Um, and so it's just always funny. The acceptance is the first step on the road to recovery. Um, but there is something good to be said about, and there doesn't need to be a solution, but recognizing that you have a problem. Yeah. Is a healing process. Absolutely. So you don't have to begin to start doing stuff, but if you sit there and you say, hey, this is a problem that I have. And just being aware of it makes you change how you do things. So if you're sitting there, and like I said earlier, where I said, I'm a realist. Um, I'm not a risk taker. Those are things that I have to be honest with myself about. And so maybe some of you are like, well, being a realist is better or it's a good thing. In some ways, yes. And in some ways, no. Right? Like I will never be... I will, like, optimists can have these really cool moments. They get to have really cool experiences. I, I, I have some, like, for example, I think I've talked about it before. I'm so proud of my sister. Um, and she's had a really cool experience because of it. But I would have never taken this risk. Um, because my brain just doesn't work that way. My sister, during COVID, she decided to, um, what's the, uh, she decided to go where the Bananas Fosters is made. Oh, uh, um, yeah, uh, in, Admir- it's not the Admirals. In Louisiana. She was living in Louisiana. Um, she has two kids. It's one, it's one of the famous places in New Orleans. Uh, it's a, a top tier restaurant in New Orleans. They could, they could go for a Michelin star, but they say it's just not worth it to go for it. Um, but so she's working there and well, but she just applied. My, my sister has no experience with cooking. I remember growing up in high school and Commander's having Palace no, or Brennan's Brennan's Brennan's. Okay. So the two, play, two big places she, so Brennan's is Louisiana. She was in new Orleans and Colette growing up would make the most disgusting meals. Like they were <laughs> gross. I kid you not. I was like, no way this chick got in. Because, he, like, I love to cook. Um, I cook all my meals for uh, me and my wife. I, I've i looked up techniques and, and doing a lot of kind of that stuff over COVID. I really got into it. Really, really got into it. And so it's a, it's a huge thing for me. Um, but I would have never, ever in a million years tried to apply to go work at a high-end restaurant in the back cooking with them i'd be like i need to go to culinary school first which i don't have the money for i don't have the capabilities like i i just don't have the the time money or whatever but colette was just like i don't know i really like cooking even though what she would cook before was absolute garbage it was like she was like i really want to cook so she just went for it she applied she was just like they need help and so i'll go and i'll help them and like when I would, if I were to see that they're posting and they said, we need help, I'd be like, what they're wanting is somebody who has culinary experience to be able to go in there and help them cook. But she didn't care. She was like, nope, this is where I'm going to go and I'm going to apply. And, and she did. And she was able to work up through their systems where now she's a pastry chef at another restaurant, another high-end restaurant in, uh, and which is awesome. Um, so cool. I'm jealous that she gets to work with all these awesome chefs and all these culinary experts 
on how to make food and stuff. She started her own business where she makes food for people and and caters and does all this kind of stuff on top of the fact that she's working at high-end restaurants. And it's just amazing. I, as a realist, would ne- will never, ever have that experience. No, I like you. I would have never, I would have been like, I don't have any experience. Never would have applied to that. Like, I would have been, tried. even in my 20s, when I was working in restaurants, I would have been like, I'm working at a burger joint in Hollywood. I'm not applying for a high-end restaurant like that. They want someone with culinary school experience. Right, and like, I, I need, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, maybe my sister Colette had lots had like experience elsewhere colette worked at nike outlets in tulare <laughs> she had zero she worked at jamba juice <laughs> which is now just called jamba and she was a bodybuilder like that's my sister and again the bodybuilder is again one of those whims type things she has these my sister drives me insane i love her very much but she just has like these whims of things. That's why I say Optimus, I'm jealous of them, but at the same time, they annoy the crap out of me because my sister can annoy the crap out of me with the stuff. Like, if she would have told me, I would have been like my mother. Like, where she was like, I'm applying to this job. I'd be like, that is so dumb. Nobody's going to hire you. <laughs> like, I yeah. would have told her that. But. Well, Optimus drives society forward. They also drive it backwards. <laughs> and realists keep it grounded. And it's a fi- it's a balance between the two. And, and I'm so, and I brag about her to like everybody that I can. I'm bragging on this podcast. I think it is so cool that she's a pastry chef now. I think that's amazing. And I think that's a testament to her being that optimist and that risk taker over and over and over again. And I'm so happy for her. I think that good things are going to go her way. She's planning on moving to New Jersey and work in a Michelin star restaurant in New York. Um, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So there's... There's lots of good things going for them and going for her. She's she's on the up and up, and that's and that is really cool um, to hear and to see. Uh, hopefully, she comes back and starts a restaurant in our area because that'd be sick. But and she loves pastries, um, so maybe it'll be a pastry thing or something like that. So who knows? But again, all of us are just different. We've got got different wirings, different setups. Um. Yeah, all that to say. Well, we're on the topic of optimism and realism and culture and that kind of thing. So I'm going to bring up now, let's transition slight, slightly, I don't know, maybe veer heavily. 49,500 people in the United States last year committed suicide, according to the U.S. government. That is insane. That is insane. That is crazy. We are... Look, folks, if you're a proud American, that's fine to be proud. I'm not telling you to take down your American flag and stop grilling hot dogs on July 4th. But we are a fucked up country. We are a mess. There's not much functioning well in this country. Then the stuff that is, it's just on autopilot. 49,500 people. Again, going back to you don't know what's going on behind all of the glossy stuff you see on Instagram and TikTok or television. 
if they're famous, well, they could be famous on both, but that's ridiculous. Where yeah. is that hopelessness coming from? Yeah. I This is where I see stuff and I'm like, the church really needs to get its act together. The stuff that you and I talk about all the time about how the church needs to get its fucking act together and fix whatever problems that are turning people away because there's no good solution being offered. Otherwise, people would be committing... Nearly 50,000 people committed suicide. That's insane. Yeah. That is a, a ridiculous number. The number of people who are like murdered with handguns in a year is like, I don't know, it's like, it's less than 20. Yeah. I think the suicide rate in other years has been like 20, 22,000 people. It has a massive number. And it's, I, I will say it's probably partially some crazy stuff going through with COVID, but boy, we are a mess. All right, here you go. Here's some other statistics. U.S. suicide steadily rose from the early 2000s until 2018 when the national rate hit its highest level since 1941. That year saw 48,300. So in in 2018, 48,300. 14.2 for every 100,000 Americans. The rate fell slightly in 2019. It dropped again in 2020 during the first year of the COVID pandemic. Some experts tied that to the phenomenon seen in the early stages of wars and natural disasters when people pull together and support each other. But in 2021, suicides rose 4% last year, according to the new data. The number jumped by more than 1,000 to 44 Almost uh, 49,500, about 3% increase versus the year before. Okay, so keeping in mind, because this is a big problem people make with statistics all the time, and in science in general, causation is not correlation, but I'm just going to, I'm going to make a correlation. I'm not, I'm not making anything definitive. I think it's interesting that the highest, this is the highest level since 1941. What was going on in 41? It was profound poverty or people... Uh, worried about money and I mean we're not going you could argue that maybe we're going through a recession right now and the government's not really counting one but I don't know maybe people are really feeling bad I don't know what's going on but that is oh Sorry, we're now we're now multitasking. Yeah. Colton's now picked the other beer out, and he's picking, pointing something out that we'll talk about in a second. But forty nine thousand. Look, I I'm gonna do what we just talked what I just talked about. I am not gonna come up with the solution. I don't know what the solution. Well, I do know what the solution. The ultimate solution is the church. Um. Well. Christianity would be great, but even if we got to where we just had more stable families. Anytime I'm asked about the homeless situation, you want to fix the homeless situation? Let's have stable families. I don't care I don't care if it's mommy and mommy and daddy and daddy or mommy and daddy. Just have healthy, stable family and structures where the children are being nurtured in some way. And mental health support. And mental health support. But I think if you have families and you have less yeah. there's always a level of the population that has just chemical 
mental health mental health issues and that and that's for sure but i think it's exacerbated it's exacerbated right now with the destruction of the family either you might even live in a family where you had two parents but your parents aren't ever home because they're having to work in order to put bills on the table or they think they need to pay for everything that kids want which is and you're just like you know you're now 25 and you're like you know i would i could have gone without at the time, I wouldn't have said I could go without the Xbox, but I could have gone without the Xbox and mom being home more often than mom being out working because she needed to buy me everything we thought I needed to buy, I wanted to buy. Um, yeah, we're, look, we as a country, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll say it this and then we'll transition to the next thing. Well, I'll say this, we'll talk about the beer and then I'll transition to the next thing. When you have 49,000, almost 50,000 people a year committing suicide, let alone all the other violent death we have in this country, we are in no fucking position to be lecturing any other country, and I include Russia, I'm going to be I'm going to be that emphatic about it on how to live, how to run their country. This is the terminally ill telling the doctor or telling the other not terminally ill but just ill patients in the in the hospital how they should get better. And I'm sorry, we are not the physician. We've proven ourselves not to be the physician for the world. We are a sick, depraved society. We are not running things well. There is something intrinsic in our culture that is leading people to the lowest levels of hopelessness. And it's sad, and we've got to figure out how to get our way out of it. Well, no, no, no. We need to first accept that that's the case. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Go to Hell podcast. Show voiceovers courtesy of Eleven Labs. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Post your comments, questions, criticisms, or tell us to go to hell on Twitter at the Go to Hell Pod and Instagram at Go to Hell Pod. Or email us at Tim at go to hellpodcast.com or Colton at go to hellpodcast.com. And if you don't like wham, you can go to hell.